continue your awareness practice in this sitting by now widening your awareness into the sphere of appearing sounds. Completely relaxing the mind while at the same time maintaining an alertness, an alert presence. Aware of the complete sphere of sound, not holding on to particular particles of sound, but noticing the silence between the sounds with the same relaxed alertness. Inner sounds, outer sounds, strong or subtle sounds. There's no need to go out to them, there's no need to work to notice sounds. Simply noticing how they appear and vanish. Maintaining this spacious attention, merely shift the emphasis from the sphere of sounds to that of sensations, bringing the awareness around the contours of the body, anchoring with the body, aware of the appearing sensations. With the awareness anchored in the body, you can often find where the body is tight or tense. Just letting that drop, relax. Letting the body find its natural sitting posture. Relaxed, 
but not too loose, alert but not rigid. And as you're anchored in the body, begin to notice how the breath manifests at the chest or abdomen, or in the area of the tip of the nose or upper lip. Keeping that same expansive, relaxed, alert awareness as you come to rest on the primary anchor of the rising falling, attentive to the sensations within the movement of the extending abdomen and its resulting contraction or relaxation, or attentive to the flow of the in-out stream of sensations at the tip of the nose. Breath breathes itself. There's no need to direct or control. It's very simply attuning the noticing power of awareness to the nature of the sensations occurring with the rising falling movement or the in-out flow. As you rest with this primary anchor, beginning today as you notice predominant sensations arising in the body, calling the attention away. At this point, let go of resting your awareness with the primary anchor and bring your full bodied attention to this sensation. Recognize it if you find the use of mental labels helpful. Make a note, a label of that sensation. Itchiness, tingling, (coughs) heat, pressure, hardness or softness, coolness or tension, 
letting the label help the awareness open up and feel the sensation as it actually is, not distanced by thought or interpretation, as if becoming one with that sensation, total body awareness of that momentary appearing sensation, feeling its texture, its qualities, its characteristics, as long as it's predominant and present. It may be pleasant or unpleasant. You could notice that, how it is painful. Notice its discomfort or its neutrality or its pleasantness. But investigating the nature of that sensation impartially without preferring it to be present or not present, preferring it to be pleasant as opposed to painful, just as it is. Investigating its qualities, its nature. Does it stay in one point? Does it move around? Does it grow stronger? Weaker? Does it fade away? Does it pass away? When no longer predominant, bring this investigative awareness again to rest on your primary anchor, the rising, falling of the abdomen, or the in-out flow of sensation at the tip of the nose. Be at ease. Let a natural rhythm begin to flow in the relationship between this awareness, this investigative awareness, and the continually occurring phenomena of the body, of the breath, or of sounds, or of mental events. For the time being, when the mind strays off into thoughts, Acknowledge and be aware of that and tend to guide it back to rest with your primary anchor or with body sensations. Where does it want to reside? In thoughts. Uh, Why don't you, when you get to your walking spot, just stand there for a while and see where it resides. If it resides in thoughts, that's fine. 
just notice the thoughts for a while. And after some time, let your awareness just fall into your body, into your standing posture. It's one of the traditional meditative postures. Just be aware of standing. If, it help, if you use the mental labeling and you find it helpful, you can make that note of just standing, standing, as you let your awareness just fill up the whole body. Just continue standing there for anywhere up to five minutes or so. Just feeling the standing, standing, standing. And when you feel somewhat collected in the mind, not tending anymore to go toward thoughts, <clears throat> just set your mind toward the, the moment of beginning to walk, that moment of just about to walk, and then just begin walking. Again, let's see where your awareness falls. Maybe it'll fall on the lower part of the body, maybe it'll feel like it's the whole body. And in the beginning of retreat, that's often what happens, and it's quite fine. You can just be with your whole body as it just displaces space as you move from your point A to point B. You get to the end, again, you might just feel your whole body and then feel it turning. And then again, be aware of that moment of about to walk and then feel what happens as you begin to walk either the whole body or the various parts. And after, say, five minutes or ten minutes of that, at whatever speed feels natural for you at the time, then just see if you can be aware of the primary um, sensations involved in the walking, which is usually the lower part of the body. But again, try not to force your awareness there. Just see if you can... It's like when we, are, we move from sounds <clears throat> to the body, and then we begin to be aware of the breath while still anchored in the body without trying to force the attention there. In that same way, see if when you're walking along, aware of the whole body, you can begin just to feel that part of your body where the sensations are predominant. But always just attuning to what feels natural rather than what feels forced. See if that helps. Yes. My attention wants to go to the breath when I'm walking. Right. Coordinating it with the with the sensing. Right. And what happens? Uh, it works well for me, probably because that's the way I've been trained previously on conditioning. Right. So I've been trying to change. Well, can you feel what what happens? Are you aware sort of both at the same time? Does it feel like your attention is divided or what's your experience with it? No, they seem to flow together. Right. And uh-huh. what happens at the slow walking? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Maybe by the time you get to the slow walking, you can let the breath <clears throat> just do its own rhythm and see if your attention can attune to or coordinate with that speed of walking. I mean, sometimes I think that's, that's fine. At other times, it's kind of, it's sort of a doing, it's sort of an exercise of trying and to just sort of let go of any effort of coordinating anything at all and see if, particularly in the slow walking, you can just be with lifting, moving, placing. Okay. Yes? When you stay with the breath and a strong physical sensation of writing, mm-hmm. you just let go of the breath entirely? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yes? I just felt like the pain 
be so intense with you so long that sometimes I find myself breathing deeply into these pains. Mm. Is that good or should I not try to do it? Uh, sometimes that's okay. I wouldn't stay with strong pain for too long because generally it, it's, it begins to <clears throat> rob your energy. It's, it's important after some time with, with strong pain to come back to the refuge of your primary anchor of the breath or something else, something neutral like sounds or another part of your body so that you can sort of assess the strength of your energy or again collect your energy in awareness. Often if you find, you just, if you try to bear through long periods of pain, at the end of the time you'll feel exhausted and the mind will, this withers. So try to be with it just as it, if, as it is for a period of time. If you find that breathing into it a bit helps some, that's okay. But again, not to make a project out of it. You're not trying to do anything particularly with the pain, just to notice it as it is, to feel it as it is. So if the breath helps you get a little more centered and aware and with the pain, that's okay. But, but not to breathe awareness into it as if you're trying to work it or fix it or change it. And then, as I said, occasionally or frequently coming back to the breath to again just center in awareness, uh, have a sense of where your energy is at, that you're not, being, you're not exhausting your energy. Mm-hmm. Um, the instructions that we received when we were supposed, when we were in very slow walking, asked us to focus on the lifting, the moving, and the pacing. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I'm walking very slowly, that that another component, weight shifting, is also accompanied by also many interesting sensations in the legs. Right. I'm not sure whether I'm just supposed to be focusing on the sensations during the lifting, moving, and pacing, or also with the shifting of the weight. Right. As you notice that, certainly bring your attention to that as well. And there may be many more components. There's as many as uh, sometimes we teach uh, uh, a six-part walking series that would include that. In the beginning, we just offer something quite simple. Uh, but as you begin to notice new movements, new distinct movements or components to your walking, certainly that's fine to add them. So in that case, that's the leg that's still in the lifting, moving, uh, placing posture. You stay with it as you feel the shift of weight from the one to the other to the weight. is completely shifted and you feel that that is complete. And you can then you can attune your awareness back to the, the lifting leg, the presently lifting leg, and then feel that lift, move, place, shift, come to its completion. So as many details as it feels natural for you, for your awareness to fall on, that's fine. You can add that. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I've experienced times when I go back to my breath mm-hmm. and 
the pain will uh, spread like a gangrene hmm. and completely overwhelm me. Right. And what I've been taught to do is to then sort of um, back off completely, um, creating as much space as I can, mm -hmm. and then perhaps doing metta or karuna. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you had something to argue. Did you hear the question in the back? Yeah, yeah it's about, also about working with pain. And at times that um, uh, even coming back to the breath, the pain seems to spread, as he says, like gangrene until the whole body feels <laughs> loaded with it, the pain. And then he's been taught to go to do something like metta karuna, a com, um, metta meditation or compassion meditation and so forth. Um, first of all, in working with the pain, when you come back to your breath, you may assess your energy as quite strong and quite capable. And it's possible, if you have that strength of energy, to stay with the pain for the entire sitting, as long as you want. Uh, it's, it, again, it's important to assess that you have the strength for that. And if you do, stay with that pain, go into it, it can be quite, uh, there can be a profound openings or insights that when, you, when you work with pain. If, as in the, the case, uh, this case of this question, you begin to feel overwhelmed by pain. You're drowning in it. There's no space at all. There's no energy. There's no strength. Then the, my first suggestion is then to, yes, create some kind of spaciousness. Perhaps go to sounds, something quite neutral. Uh, since the whole body is, is, is trembling with pain and you don't have the strength at that moment to work with it, first go to sounds so that you can continue your practice in the Vipassana mode of awareness. So you open up, create space, be aware of sounds, see if you can stay with the experience from resting in sounds, from anchoring in sounds. If, if it continues, and even any kind of uh, refuge anywhere in the Vipassana mode isn't working, then you could try metta or compassion. Just beginning to, particularly compassion in the case of pain, where you attune to the pain and the pain becomes the means for the heart to open with care. That's what compassion is. Compassion is attuning to pain, and the pain, rather than becoming a means to close the heart, or to feel aversion or distance from the pain, it actually becomes the cause for the heart to open with care. So you attune to it, and the traditional phrase is, may I be free of suffering, or uh, the intention behind it in a phrase we often suggest is, I, I care about this pain, or my pain. And in that way, you let the heart respond to the pain by opening, by feeling care, <coughs> rather than by closing. But those su successive stages are important. Trying to stay within first the, the mode of Vipassana. Is there a refuge? Is there a place you can anchor your attention, even when the body feels on fire, uh, that still feels uh, where you're alert and, and maintaining some continuity of energy? Yeah, one more question. Um, when I've been practicing Anapanasati for a while, and I'm used to taking my breath with me to other things, I'm mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. And I assume that I shouldn't fight that, I should let it just be where it wants to be, <coughs> focus primarily on whatever else it is. That's correct? I mean, when, when, some, when I go to something else, I right. the breath as primary. Right, if you can drop the breath as primary, uh, and go to something else, that's preferable. Mm -hmm. If you're having difficulty with that, 
then uh, discuss it with your teacher. You know, there might be some compromise if, you're, if it's a struggle for you. But generally, yes, the, the, the primary anchor is there as a refuge, place to begin, place to come back to. Uh, and when something else comes up, we're being asked to drop that and bring your full attention to whatever that is that appears. Have a nice day of practice. You can begin the sitting by opening to the awareness of sounds, letting the mind become open and spacious. Resting at ease. And being alert and awake for the arising, the appearance of each sound. The louder ones, the softer ones. Notice how the sounds appear spontaneously. And how they are known spontaneously. Sounds appear and disappear in the open awareness of mind. Begin to notice the sensations of the body posture. And the sensations of each breath, the in and out or the rise and fall, with the same quality of open awareness. The sensations of each breath spontaneously appear. Notice the very beginning of each breath, the very first appearance of the sensation of the in or the out. the very first sensation of the movement of rise and fall.
There's no need to struggle. The breath is coming and going by itself. When different sensations in the body become predominant, come into the foreground of attention, notice those specific sensations quite carefully. Let the mind soften and relax into them. Sometimes they're pleasant, sometimes they're unpleasant simply to notice. If they persist for some time, you can make a specific note or specific label of the kind of sensation it is. Whether it's pressure or tightness or heat or cold. tingling, vibration. And as you note the particular kind of sensation, notice what happens to it. Everything that arises is also changing. Notice the quality of change. You're aware of the sounds coming and going, the breath coming and going. Notice how the sensations, moment to moment, are being transformed. Sometimes they get stronger. Sometimes they get weaker. Sometimes they seem to shift position. Let the mind stay very open, very relaxed, at home, simply noticing what it is that's arising and how it's changing. When the sensations are no longer predominant or fade into the background again, let your mind come to rest with the breath. See if you can also pay attention today to the arising of thoughts in the mind. At whatever point you become aware that thinking is happening. Sometimes it's after the thought is over. Sometimes it's in the middle, sometimes at the beginning. Take a moment and acknowledge the thinking process 
so that the mind becomes attuned to the awareness of thought. The idea is not to be rid of thoughts, but to be aware of them. So that we're not caught, not identified with them, not lost in them, not seduced by them. To begin to see the empty, transparent nature of all thought, quite independent of the content. In the moments of awareness of thinking, notice how they self-liberate. They dissolve and come back to the awareness of the breath or sound. If the mind seems to be getting confused about too many objects, you're not quite sure where to attend to, what to notice, use the breath as your main object of awareness. Do you have any questions about working with the breath or sensations or thoughts? I think the key to uh, maintaining interest is not so much uh, in the awareness of the content of the thought, because they get pretty repetitious. It's more interest in thought as a phenomenon. It's like, what is this? <laughs> Just sitting reminding our own business and then this thing happens right? there are words going through the minds what's particularly fascinating to me about it is that when we're not aware of the thought they have tremendous power basically our lives are spent acting out our thoughts because we're lost in them and identified with them. 
Thought says, do this, do that, come to a three-month retreat. <laughs> and here you are. But when we are aware of thought, as opposed to being lost in it, then we see that the thought in itself has no power at all. It's just these, these momentary little, I didn't call it energy blips or word blips in the mind. From that perspective, we begin to see the empty, transparent, insubstantial nature of thought itself. And from that space, then we have the ability or the power or the opportunity for discriminating wisdom. Does this thought, is it worth acting on? Can I let it go? So it's not so much focusing on the content, you know, and what the particular story is. It's more taking an interest in thought as a phenomenon. And you might... I know there are different ways, there are different ways to uh, focus the attention in that way. Sometimes just to ask the question as the thoughts are coming through, what is it? Now, where are they? We, we tend to think the thoughts are in our heads. Thoughts are not in our heads. <laughs> so if they're not in our heads, where are they? It's interesting, <laughs> because it's such a powerful force in the world. You know, and so rarely do we stop to really understand the nature of thought. Notice you know, where they come from and where they go to. One exercise I like a lot, especially when you're caught in a pattern of being very judgmental about the thoughts, or reactive, or lost in them a lot. With each thought, just imagine that they're coming from the person next to you. <laughs> we, we get so identified with the thoughts that are in our mind, and we take them to be I, to be self, we create this whole structure of self around the identification with the thought. It's not in the thought itself. It's in that extra process of identification. I mean, in this sitting, all my thoughts came from Steve. <laughs> so it's in all those ways. You know. it's, it's not, as I say, it's not sort of uh, being overly concerned about the content. The content is the least important. That, that's fine. <laughs> that, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. <laughs> so you, you don't have to hold on to them in order to take a better look. Because what one really wants to observe is just that, as I said, that, that self-liberation. You know, when we're really aware, when we're not caught or identified, the thought's there, and then it's gone. 
So, what is so interesting is, given how that happens, on the one hand, and then on the other hand, how totally obsessed we can become through the thought process, through lack of understanding, through lack of awareness. Wait, they, they what? So they come into my body at the inside. So even if I say thank you, it feels like they've already taken over thoughts or we have attempts to how to get out of it outside the thought maybe. Uh, when you say they're in your body, meaning what? That you feel them as spotly sensation or just a sense of being lost in the thought? Right, I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of whether you're lost in the words of it or lost in the feeling sensation of it. Okay, I, I wouldn't get too caught in the inner in the image of inner outer, because that's just an image anyway. Right? Uh, in what you're describing, I think what's helpful is just to unpack the constellation of the experience. Because as you're describing it, it sounds like a thought comes and there's uh, some getting identified with it. Or, and then that creating a whole constellation, a feeling of sensation. Right? So it feels as if you're in the middle of this whole thing. Uh, but actually there are separate aspects of what's going on. One of the actual thoughts. When I use the word thought, I mean words in the mind. There might also be attendant emotions. With the attendant emotions, there might be physical energy, physical sensations present. There might also be some images right, in the mind, pictures in the mind. So what's helpful in the middle of that whole event, just to unpack all the parts. Right? So you, you could almost do, especially in, you know, as you're beginning the practice of that, uh, you might just have a little checklist. That is so, so you're consciously directing your mind, okay, what are the physical sensations? What's the emotion? Is there an image? What are the actual words? Do you follow? And in that way you begin to make some space and become less identified. When it's all mixed up like that, it's hard to create the space. Do you follow? Um, and if it seems too much to unpack all of it, you could start with just the words and the sensations as the beginning, just to separate out and then you know, add the other pieces. Is there a problem with uh, just staying with, uh, without any anchor, just remaining uh, in awareness and uh, 
and not losing any anchor. But, and also another question is, uh, if sensations tend to be in the background, or, or even thoughts, um, should I make an effort to bring them in the foreground and kind of explore them? Mm-hmm. Or just mm-hmm. stay? Okay. When you say to be without an anchor, what is it that you are aware of then? Uh-huh. And I don't stay with one one object, uh-huh. and there just seems to be you know, awareness of awareness. Okay, that sounds fine. Uh, what kinds of things are coming and going? Okay, well, sounds, uh-huh. you know, sensations, but they come like very quickly and mm-hmm. don't stay. Mm-hmm. Okay, is the mind getting, getting lost or wandering much? Getting lost in thought? Uh, well, this last session, last sitting, was totally lost. But uh-huh. normally, uh-huh. no. Okay, what I would suggest is kind of playing both ways. Sometimes what you're describing sounds fine, where you're just kind of resting in the awareness, but really attentive or noticing the coming and going of all different aspects of experience. And if you're really there, if you're really present and not lost, that sounds fine. There can be a tendency over time in that space to begin to lose the quality of precision or clarity or real connectedness. It, It can tend to sort of space out a little bit around the edges. Yeah. So. In that respect, I found it helpful to go back and forth. In other words, uh, to spend some time in that open, choiceless awareness. But then at other times, even when it feels like it's going okay, but before you begin, begins to weaken, just to make the decision to, okay, I'm going to just shepherd the mind back in the awareness of the breath for some time, because it, it sort of... Uh, it arouses more energy and power then. And so you're just with the breath for some time as, as a primary object, and then again you open up. So that way the whole thing keeps building. You know, the stability, the steadiness uh, becomes more unshakable. You follow? Um, you don't particularly have to call things up to the foreground in order to investigate them. I would. I would mostly wait until things present themselves predominantly. Uh, use the uh, term awareness of awareness. I've thought about that before, and lies agree with me. This, this is my own, not criticizing you, but just my own take on it. Just logically. <laughs> you wouldn't think you could be aware. You have to have, awareness has to have an object. Uh, what do we call it? It's like your quite next question was, okay, what, what objects are we aware of? Implying that it's like the eye seeing itself or something. Right. No, it is... You don't want to get too caught in thinking about this, but it is possible for awareness to be aware of itself. Uh, because there are times, and this is in the, in the traditional unfolding of Vipassana practice, and as it goes through various stages and development, 
there are times when all objects disappear and all that's left is awareness. But it's a very aware state. One, no, one, one is aware of that. It's not, it's not lost in it. Um, I think it's time for the interviews. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.